So I got 10 more minutes here with, with Tom Carey, author of Witness to Roswell. You know, so I got I got really sidetracked with some of the interesting aspects of this story, Tom. But I want to follow because one of the, I think the through line here, right? Just just the narrative of how this came to be and how it was brought to the you know the the army's attention and the United States attention is is kind of an interesting story in and of itself because the you know what happens in the immediate after effect as in some ways the army kind of panics uh, is just a, it's just a, an amazing tale of you know, people on their heels in a way. Right. Um, so let's, let's talk about, uh, Mac Brazel. We mentioned him before we got this debris field. So he finds all this, this weird stuff that he can't quite explain. It seems to be metal. That's indestructible, weird eye beams. We've talked about with, with symbology on him. So he has all this stuff for several days. Other ranchers are involved, but at some point he decides that he wants to go and tell people about this. And if I understand the story correctly, the only reason this got out is because Mac Brazel wanted a $3,000 reward for pieces of a flying saucer. Is that correct? And who is offering this money? And how did he hear about it? Because this in some ways is this is the inciting incident, right? If we're talking about this as a movie, this is right. the moment where it all unravels. Right. Uh you, you've sort of hit the uh, every little point on, on this particular story, but not quite correctly. Okay, so, all right. So uh, he has all this uh, material. He finds all this. He uh, hauls some of the larger pieces to a little cattle shed that he has on his uh, ranch. So he doesn't know what it is. Uh, so what he does, he goes into the town of Corona, uh, on a, uh, well, let's see, this, this, he finds it on the 3rd. Then on the 4th, you have the July 4th, you have a rodeo or something every year, you know. Okay. So on the, July the 4th, he takes a piece of this metal to the rodeo, and he's showing it around. And people are saying, <laughs> oh, that's, uh, you know, the, off, the, off the, oh, there's a reward out for some of that, and blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, okay, so... At this point, he doesn't know there's bodies out there. He doesn't know there's another site. Right. So on the 5th, the, the, on July the 5th, he goes into Corona uh, to the bar. There's a bar in Corona. He goes in there, meets with some uh, guys around the bar. Again, he takes a piece of this metal uh, with him. And one of, the, uh, one of the guys at the bar is a family uh, friend, you know. Mm. And the family friend says, well, you know there's a $3,000 reward for that put out by some newspaper for a piece, okay. a piece from a flying saucer. Okay. And, and so he says, Oh yeah. And so he's got that in his mind. Right. But what he really has in mind is his sheep won't cross the pasture to water where the water pump is. They won't cross the pasture now with all of this, uh, material on blocking the way. Interesting. Okay. So that's why he goes into town. He wants who's ever responsible for this to clean up the this wreckage so his sheep can go to water. The hmm. uh, $3,000 reward, I think, was something in the, you know, the periphery of his mind. The right. main thing was to get somebody, whoever was responsible for this, to get out to those ranch and clean it up. Wow. And so, ju- and so just before... On the, the 6th, he um, uh, 
he goes in, he goes to town on Sunday the 6th. That's when he sees the buzzards circling. Mm -hmm. So he finds the bodies just before he comes into town on the 6th. So, okay. uh, and that really upsets them because they didn't smell good. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, I want someone out there to clean. And, and there's another site where there's these little bodies. Oh, it's terrible. Somebody's got to get out here right. to, to clean this stuff up. And uh, uh, whether he, he first went to the sheriff's office, mm -hmm. you know, he tried to get other ranchers to come to the site. They wouldn't, you know, no. Like uh, Loretta Proctor, the, his closest neighbor, uh, he showed her a piece of the stuff. That's Dee Proctor's mother. Mm -hmm. No, well, we're too we're too busy. We're too busy. So he couldn't get anybody to go with him to the site, and uh, so he went into town to get it, the site cleaned up. And while he's in the sheriff's office, because the sheriff doesn't know what to make out of this, he's right. Gonna, Oh my God! What do I got here? You know, Sheriff Wilcox, by the way, who become, who is an important character in this story. Sheriff George Wilcox mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Brazel brought two boxes of the metal with mm -hmm. him to show the sheriff. And uh, while he's uh, at the sheriff's office, there's a phone call from KGFL Radio. Frank Joyce, mm -hmm. who's a spinning records. This is a Sunday afternoon, he's spinning records and giving commercials for cattle feed. You right. know, get your feed at you know, and and so he's he calls the sheriff's office to see if there's any news, sheriff wise that he can put on the air. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so Wilcox says, "Oh yeah, yeah, there's a guy right here. Here he's trying to get rid of him. He says, here, right. there's a guy right here. Says he's uh, something crashed here. Talk to him." So, so uh, he talks. What, to what a moment of serendipity, by the way. I mean, this is this is, again, almost a, an unbelievable yes. coincidence that yes. while he's in the story, while he's in the sheriff's office describing this this craft and the sheriff's not believing him, who then becomes yes. an integral part of keeping the story quiet right. later on. Uh, yeah. the, a, a radio DJ happens to call in looking for news. And this news. guy gets put on the phone with Brazel. And, and and Joyce doesn't believe his story either. And he wants mm -hmm. he says, oh, God, how can I get out of this? He says, oh, it, <laughs> right. It, he says, it sounds like uh, whatever happened on your ranch came from the sky. Mm -hmm. And the sky is the responsibility of the Air Force. So what you want to do is call the air base to get them to find out what, what happened there. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. And so... Right. That's how the Air Force got into it, because the sheriff then called the base. He said right. later on it was the biggest mistake he ever made was yeah. calling the military. And I would so say he, arguably maybe one of the biggest mistakes in history. I mean, th this yeah. is a this is what you're describing is a mundane event that happened in 1947. Yeah. But in with the perspective of history, there were mistakes that were made and weird yeah. coincidences that have rippled through time. They didn't believe them because yeah. they didn't believe the story. They didn't yeah. believe the story. And so the sheriff calls the air base who sends out Jesse Marcel the sheriff's office mm -hmm. and jesse marcel looks at this and his he's starting to say uh oh what what have we got here he takes a box of the he, one of the two boxes he takes back to the base with him shows it to colonel blanchard the base commander blanchard doesn't know what to make out of it he's concerned that it's russian he's mm -hmm. concerned that it's russian he says take somebody with you and go out follow the rancher out to his and see what they see what's out there Right. 
And that's how the story got started. Because uh, Marcel took uh, Cavett with him, Sheridan Cavett. And mm -hmm. they followed the rancher out. And that's when they found all this stuff. And that's how, that was the start of the, the uh, timeline. That was the beginning. Well, and for people who listened to the, you know, the full version we did, that Cabot and that Marcel are the two bridge players who ended up boiling a piece later yes. on, a yeah. piece that you believe is still in existence, and hopefully... Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, no doubt. Uh, and yes. so Cabot, Cabot was the only naysayer in all of the witnesses. Right. Cabot was the naysayer. He was playing the good soldier. First, he said, uh, you know, when we got to him, in the early 90s, oh, I, I, I was never stationed at Roswell. Well, mm -hmm. may, yeah, well, maybe I was, but I, I, I wasn't there at the time of the incident. Well, actually, right. he, he got there about a month before the incident. So he, wow. li he lied to us from the get-go. Mm -hmm. uh, then he said, well, it was, um, uh, it was just a weather, it was... Uh, by this time, he had the weather balloon story. It was a weather balloon, nothing, just gathered it all up, uh, mm -hmm. put it in a trunk, and that was it. Well, he lied to the Colonel Weaver in 1994, 95, when the Air mm -hmm. Force was so-called reinvestigating the case. They only had one witness, Cavett, mm -hmm. and he lied. He even lied right. to Weaver. I, I, I told them that it was... Um, uh, that it was a weather balloon, and that I uh, he, he lied to 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 us, and he lied to Weaver that he said I was telling them the truth, and mm -hmm. he, he wasn't telling us the truth. So, right. in a court of law, he would be what they call impeached. Right. He would be impeached <laughs> as a witness. Absolutely. That's the only. As we sit here, Daniel, that's yeah. the only witness that the Air Force has on their side, and that he's a serial liar. He's yeah. gone now, of course, mm. but um, we have 600 who say it was uh, something else. Very different. Well, and it's, I mean, and that's just a testament not only to the work, but also to the validity of what a lot of people are saying. And the other thing about the witnesses is they were in the army, they had this event, then they were purposefully separated, which which was to make sure that they didn't get their, you know, they didn't get their story yep. straight, so to speak. Yep. But in a way, that makes the story more credible because you find them 40 years and they haven't had any contact with anyone else and they're story remains the same and that story is in direct line with what everyone else is saying yeah uh, i mean it, it's it's fascinating the one thing the other thing i want to talk about before we we finish up this was something i had never heard before and and i can't believe that it's true but you've got so many people who said that it was so you have this this craft this tear teardrop shaped craft i believe it was so that the army recovers it so instead of going the roundabout way to you. But I know we're out in rural New Mexico. There's not a lot of roads. It's a lot of cattle country. Right down Main Street. <laughs> what is going on with that? <laughs> they, they carried... So you tell the story. I mean, how did this... What happened yes. and, and why did it happen? Well, the, the site was north of town, about 35 to 40 miles, almost due north of town. And... Uh, that's that's uh, Highway 285, which turns into which becomes Main Street in Roswell. Mm -hmm. It was the fastest way to the base, and the, it was a size of a Volkswagen mm -hmm. Beetle. Th mm -hmm. This this teardrop shape was the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. They put a tarp over it, and they go right down Main Street uh, uh, in Roswell on the way to the base. 
some point they turned off one, uh, made a left and went down a side street, Atkinson Avenue, which takes it <laughs> yeah. right to the base. But they had already done the damage because everybody saw it right. on Main Street, especially a couple of the boys who were selling newspapers, the afternoon newspaper, the Roswell Daily Record, the morning yep. paper, the uh, morning dispatch had already mm -hmm. gone to press. They missed mm -hmm. the story completely. Yeah. But the afternoon paper had the story, you know, the R-A-A-A-F, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yep, right. And the newspaper, some of the boys saw they could see something silvery underneath the tarp. It was the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, same mm -hmm. shape, but they could see something sticking out that was silvery looking. So we interviewed all of, all of those boys. <laughs> right. You know? That's amazing. You got the paper boys. Cause yeah, an 18 wheeler rolls through town rolls with the right saucer sitting right on it. with it covered in a tarp that's flapping up yeah. in the breeze. Right. Yeah, I mean, accompanied, accompanied by Jeeps guys with, with uh, submachine guns and Jeeps guard, you know, on the way, uh, you know, calling attention to, Oh my God, what have they got there? They got, the guy, <laughs> right. they got submachine guns guarding that. Yeah. And right down, right down main street. Unbelievable. I'd never heard that before. I mean, it's so crazy because when you think about it, as you mentioned, submachine guns, how else can you draw more attention to something going through town? If they had right. put it on the back of like a pickup truck with a tarp yes. over it, no one would have thought any different. They would have been like, oh, yes. what's, uh, you know, what's John Mahoney doing carrying a, yeah. you know, what's he got in the back of his truck? And that would have been we, it. <laughs> we interviewed those guys that had the submachine guns. We interviewed, wow. they were still alive when we found them. Yeah. Yeah, Unbelievable. They, they, they told us the story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is, I mean, I love that you got the paper boy. Um, and I have to imagine, do you, it's my last question to you, and this is very important. Do you have an original copy of that, um, the Roswell Daily Record with that, um, with that headline? Oh yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, okay. All right. You can get, you can get them at the museum. The museum Originals has, or reprints? Oh, they're reprints. They're reprints. Okay. I mean, an original, do you have an original? From oh. 1947, it's got to be worth a fortune. It's got to be the most coveted, you know, newspaper I know, I outside know of JFK. This. The uh, the city directory uh, for 1948. There are two. There were two copies. They were both stolen. The yeah, city I would directory. So. <laughs> because they not only they not only have the name, but they have the the title, the position that the person has. And wow. so it's. I have the. I have a copy of the 1947 directory, but wow. you know the, the all that data is gathered the year before. Right. So it's 1946 data. So the 1947 data would be in the 1948 directory. Both right. copies are missing. <laughs> copies. The newspapers are missing. The directories are missing. Uh, I mean, this. <laughs> I, I was hoping you had one. I mean, they're almost harder to get than an actual piece of the wreckage, Tom. I mean, uh, well, you know the uh, the the photographs of General Ramey and uh, Thomas uh, Colonel Thomas Jefferson Dubose kneeling over the mm -hmm. weather balloon in the, mm -hmm. from the press conference. That's at the University of Texas uh, at Arlington Library. And now you almost you you need a writ of Congress to actually use <laughs> because they've been in such demand, you know. Right. I actually got a copy. Uh, Stan Friedman had copies made, and I actually bought bought a copy from Stan. Wow. But the, but now they're under they're under lock and key. You have to wear white gloves and sure. Uh, 
and uh, those those things are like uh, whoa, off limits to everybody. You got You need a writ of Congress to, to actually look at those. <laughs> An so. executive order. Uh, wow, that is unbelievable. Um, well, l- this has been this is fascinating. Again, people listening, witness to Roswell. It's a new addition for the 75th anniversary. Um, but but Tom, thank you for this extra time. This is there's so much of the story. We scratched the surface, but um, this is great. We just scratched the surface, but I I really liked our conversation because you you. Have have, you have a good grasp of the story, but uh, and some questions that uh, you know that you want answered, and I'm happy to try to answer them. So. Yeah, well, thank. You. I mean, this I, I do my best in the time we have. This is we we got it. Some of it we'll, there's room for another conversation. Yeah, uh, but thank you again for for this extra time. Well, thank you, Daniel. It's been my pleasure.